Welcome to another episode of the Pursuit of Evolution podcast. I'm your host, Casey Jordan, and today I'm chatting with Eva Fernandez, and we're talking about the rock bottom of corporate burnout, how she ended up isolated on an island for nearly a year of the pandemic, how she has explored pretty much any and all the ways she could get her hands on to heal and recover from that epic burnout. We talk about the physical tolls of capitalism. What does it really mean to be healthy? And we touch on the nuance between coaching and therapy because there is an important nuance. And how do we figure out where society ends and we begin? This is such a great conversation and such an interesting story. So let's get to it. This is The Pursuit of Evolution, and I'm your host, Casey Jordan. As a resilience and self-trust coach, I help people navigate life-changing events to not just survive, but thrive and grow in new ways. I created this podcast to show you what can happen when you tackle the hard parts of life head on. You'll hear from a wide variety of guests who've made some hard choices and big changes to build a life that they love and that they deserve. I'll also teach you my favorite strategies and tools so you can do the same. This is your invitation to lean into the hardship, explore the possibilities, and pursue your next greatest evolution. Change is inevitable, but evolution is optional. Can you give me your first and last name and your pronouns? Sure. So it's Eva Fernandez and she, her. Awesome. You used to be a journalist in Dubai, corporate lifestyle, and then kind of everything changed. Will you start with us? Tell us about that transition. Thank you. Um, It was really unforeseen. I was on the track to build wealth. That was what I was trying to do. And I was supporting my family and I was just chugging along. You know, I I first, when I graduated, it was the recession and nobody could get jobs anywhere. Like, you know, firms were firing people. So I got a job as a journalist and I was so happy. I was working the day from nine to nine to five as a journalist. Nighttime, I was uh, moonlighting as a PR copywriter. And in the early mornings, I used to do freelance writing for another paper. So it was just this feeling when I graduated with that sense of, I really, really need to make something of myself. I need to develop my skills and I need to be as employable as possible. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in the kind of family in the kind of world where if you had a job, you took it. And if you took that job, you stuck with it and you crossed your fingers, worked really hard and you hope you got a promotion. And that was pretty much the track my life was going on. And things definitely were getting better. I was getting better salaries and better opportunities, but there was a feeling of emptiness or a feeling of dissatisfaction. There was a gap between what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be and the opportunities that were available to me in that position. And I was working as hard as I could really to create the lifestyle of an entrepreneur as being a corporate employee. You know, that's what I realize Mm -hmm. now. So in 2017, everything changed. I had advocated to uh, bring a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion work into my organization. And the face of it, it seemed like it was a role that was wanted and that was needed. But six months into that position, I found myself in a conversation where they said, we don't need you anymore. This role is redundant. And of course, in Dubai, your employment status is everything. It's attached to your residency visa. And I was sponsoring my parents at the time. 
So this huge bombshell is dropped on me. I find myself thinking, you know, I want a break, but I know I can't take too much of a break. So you know what? A friend is going to Serbia, to Belgrade, Serbia. I'm going to go with her. It's just going to be five days. I'm going to come back to Dubai and I'm going to, you know, figure it out. And when I went there, something shifted and changed within me, you know, and I said to her, well, why don't you go back to Dubai and I'll continue my trip. And so I started traveling around Eastern Europe, which is really not a friendly place for somebody who is dark skinned, a single woman. It's not a, it's not necessarily travel friendly, I think for people in general, or for people like me, also because of the language and the culture. But I felt that renewal, that sense of reconnecting with my intuition, that sense of having autonomy and sovereignty, like I want to have an ice cream and I am going to, I'm going to go down this pathway or whatever it was. So I spent like 45 days, my days were just kind of blending into each other, you know, every day a new city, every week a new country. And the more I did it, the more there was that voice coming up within me of like, you don't want to go back. You don't want to go back. So I came back to Dubai and then again, found myself traveling out again to America, came back, went to Thailand. And by the end of 2017, there was certainty within my heart. I don't want to do this anymore. And so the last couple of years has really been a realization of that certainty of asking myself, well, if you don't want to do that, well, what do you want to do? And how do you want to live? And how do you want to make money? And how do you want to contribute to the world and to the consciousness that we live in? And that's what I've been doing. That's quite the flip to go from five days of vacation to let's keep rolling with it. And I'm curious, in those early days, were you having a lot of conscious conversation with yourself around like feeling the resistance to go back? Or was it just kind of a like, when I thought about going back, it made my stomach churn. Like, I'm, I'm curious kind of how you kept following the path of just not diving back into corporate. It was an ongoing conversation. And to be honest with you, I think up until a few months ago, it, that conversation was so present. Because when you go off the grid, when you try to start a business, it is filled with uncertainty. And as awful and terrible as corporate maybe for some people and definitely was for me it's still certainty you know there's there's some some level of certainty there there's a salary coming in and society understands and accepts what you're doing so this feeling of you're walking into the unknown and it's really 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 scary has been with me the whole time and I won't say that it's it's not present you know it's still present it's still a question And it's not something I'm ruling out, you know, if in a year or four years time, life shifts in such a way that I need to find stable employment, I'm really open to that. I appreciate that insight right there, that nuance that like these conversations keep happening and there's always that opportunity to revert if needed. I have a friend who's getting ready to move away from the city we're in and she was having a lot of feelings about that. And and somebody pointed out that she could move back in a couple of years and she was like, oh, right. Like the opportunity doesn't necessarily cease to exist. It's just not the right opportunity for today, but to keep kind of touching back in with that thought as you go. And as you go on the next adventure, having that in the back of your mind, I think is such an important piece of awareness in these kinds of conversations. 
So I really appreciate that. And I also think too that, so for the sake of my listeners, I always have my guests give me some notes because it just kind of helps me remember people's stories as I'm doing some of these interviews back to back. And you mentioned that you, at one point, like working with clients, there's like a feeling of being uplifted and being deeply unsettled and kind of the burnout. I want to explore that more, kind of the, the carrying dual feelings through some of this stuff. There was a sense of naivety that I held, which was, I'm not feeling well working this corporate job. And so if I just leave this corporate job, everything will be okay. And it was humbling and frustrating to realize that part of why I was so unhappy in corporate were levels and layers of oppression and very unconscious capitalism, you know, like that sense of urgency, the sense of like working in a very stressful environment where there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of, you know, risk of losing your job, you know, and in Dubai, like uh, I have to emphasize that it's so different from working in India or working in America, for example, where, you know, when you're a citizen of a place, even if you lose your job, it's okay. You can stay in the country. You can get another job, you know, but in Dubai, if you lose your job, it's like you got 30 days and now you got to be out and you've lived in this country your whole life, you know? So the amount of stress and pressure to keep your job is heightened. And so you put up with so much of tension in the workplace. And I felt in many ways, like I was doing the best that I could. I was reading all the books. I was shaving off 10 years of my career. I was on the fast track. But what I didn't realize was how my positionality as a, as a woman, as, as Indian, as just somebody who's so ambitious, but should not be this ambitious at this level, is getting penalized and is getting penalized in many subtle ways. You know, what I now come to learn is all of that has created a trauma within my body. And I didn't realize that until I started working with clients, you know, and I would get, for example, like I would have a client who I'd be working with and then she'd send me a voice note on WhatsApp. Okay. After a mm-hmm. session and it was five minutes long. And my stomach starts churning and churning. And I'm so terrified to look at this. And why, you know, I had to ask myself, what's going on here? Because I would, you know, I would go in and think back and like the session went really well. But somewhere in my mind, it was that same old fear of being an employee and having your Mm -hmm. boss getting angry with you for no reason. And you have no way to really justify your case. You just kind of try and avoid these bombs going off left, right and center. And then I'd listen to the voice note, like literally six hours later, and it would be just this wonderful note. Thank you so much. I had a great time. And that's when something began to click within me, where I began to realize that the level at which I was able to work at before has now been so severely compromised mm-hmm. because all of these unconscious triggers are preventing me from doing the best work that I can because I'm constantly in fear and I'm remembering things from my past that is not allowing me to service my clients and work. Mm -hmm. And I felt for a while there that, you know, I would take three clients a week. That's it, three clients a week, you know, and it's a 90 minute session. So that's, you know, that's nothing. And I was spent, I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, like I couldn't physically, I felt, felt exhausted from that work and I felt like my life is over 
you know, like burnout has really burnt me so deeply. And it's only when I took time away from work and I got to be able to feel into my body and feel into my heart that I began to realize the long lasting effects of being in toxic, toxic work environments. It is very serious. And this is, it's completely a reflection of the world we live in. I will not say that this is an indication of my specific experience only with my employer. Like the more time and space I have from it, it's a universal theme. We're all struggling and suffering under these systems, which is really hyper-capitalism. Extract, extract, extract. And when you try to, you know, when you try to change the channel, it's not that easy. It's not that quick. It's not a matter of saying three months off, a year off even. I'm four years down the journey and I feel, I finally feel like I'm coming back to life. The trauma of the corporate world in your body is, is such a thing. I mean, I'm, I'm seven years out of the corporate world. And I think I feel like I have finally moved past that to where when somebody says, Hey, can you swing by my office? I don't instantly panic or, you know, you get that client email. I don't instantly panic or, you know, dread what what's next. And to be able to articulate that and see what's happening and feel that and have the space to move through it is such a powerful thing. I'm curious, what what are some of the specific things that you have done over these last four years, or maybe even more recently, as you've become so aware of this to like very intentionally let go of that hold on your body and, and move through these things? There is a lot of things that I've done. I think in the beginning, there was a sense of desperation. There was a sense of, give me anything, whatever, it, what kind of healing you have, I'm going to take it. So I did Ayurvedic Panchakarma in India, which is purging of the body. And then I would go into these like boxing camps in Thailand, which I love, and I'd be fighting. And I would go into Cambodia and I'd live uh, in like this boot camp and do essentially like really hardcore exercise, you know, for four months. And then when I was in Bali for a while, so 2018 was that year where I was just like, casting my net out for anything and when I was in Bali you know Bali in a lot of ways is some people have described it as being like a supermarket of spirituality and consciousness the and that's a comment more about what it's become and not the actual place itself but there are a lot of offerings there and not necessarily all of them are well thought out but I was just like in the supermarket of spirituality, like, yes, sound healing, sure. Yoga, what, like, what do you have? What do you have? I'm going to take it. And I do ecstatic dancing and I'd be, you know, doing authentic relating. And I was just doing and doing and doing as much as I could to reconnect with my body and reconnect with my emotions. And for that first year in 2018, I remember going through so much of these experiences and there was like a catharsis happening that was not conscious. You know, there was just like, I I remember being in so many yoga sessions and just crying and crying and crying in the shala. And I wasn't actually upset about something. And I remember calling a psychologist friend of mine saying, should I be concerned? (laughs) You know, what's going on? And she said to me, this is normal. Like your body's just releasing all of these things. But since then, like since I've, I, you know, went head first into the, the, the supermarket of spirituality, constantly trying different things. I think what's really helped has been focus on the body 
And it's been a journey of redefining and re-evaluating what it means to be well, what it means to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean, for me, for a while, for a year, I was completely vegan and I didn't drink alcohol or coffee or anything like that. And I don't think that's what it means to be well anymore. But there is a, an awareness of what you're eating, what you're consuming. You know, there is a way in which I feel like connection to the body is incredibly personal and hard to define. But I think as long as I can have that access, that spaciousness in my mind and in my heart to reconnect to this moment and this vessel that I am privileged to be in, I can feel healthy and I can feel well. And then the second thing I would say that's been really helpful has been working systematically with a therapist. I've been receiving some level of coaching on and off for the last six, seven years. And it's always been specific to a you know, particular area, particular issue. But about a year or two years ago, I began to accept that all of the trauma of being in corporate is still alive in my body and ignoring it and doing yoga and you know, hiking mountains is not addressing those subconscious messaging that is still influencing my life. And so I found a therapist who is just incredible, an incredible, incredible woman. And we've been working together for two years now and it's been systematic, you know, and she's been so helpful and we've been going through things, you know, and processing it. But that's like three years into the journey, I was finally ready to actually face those things, you know? And the last thing I'll say is along the way, and I've met really, really incredible people and they have shown me that there is so much more to life. Mm -hmm. They've shown me that there's so many more possibilities and they have supported me and, and made me feel like you can do this. You know, this, this vision you have of doing something different, it is possible. And without these people in my life, I don't think I would have made it this far because the strength that you need to live a life that is not typical is mm-hmm. massive. You need a lot of creativity. You need a lot, a lot of courage, especially starting a business. It takes so much of effort and energy, you know, and I don't even feel like I'm over the hump with that. Yeah. But if I didn't have the support of people around me, yeah, I could easily say none of this would be a reality. I think that's so true and so beautiful. I was just thinking about something about my life today and kind of where I'm at with things. And I was like, I couldn't be who I am and where I'm at if it wasn't for my husband, who has been such an unconditional, like, if it makes you happy and it makes you whole, let's figure out how to pursue it kind of person. And the, the power of having that person in my corner, because like you, I'm doing things in a very non-traditional way in terms of employment and, you know, kind of how I live my life. And every message I get from society is that I'm doing it wrong. And so even though I consider myself a strong person, there's that constant bigger messaging. And so to be able to turn and look at him and he's like, no, it's not wrong. It's just different. Like, is it's such a powerful thing to have those people so I think that's amazing and I think too you mentioned the balancing the subconscious and like doing the therapy finding the therapist and kind of settling in and doing that work as you were telling that story 
about throwing yourself into the fighting camps and the boot camps and the yoga. And I made a note and I said, overdoing it, question mark. Like, were you trying to run away? But what I see as you brought the story around is that like, there's a certain, I don't know if primal is the word, instinctual, like I have to purge this energy so that I have enough space to come back and actually now articulate the trauma and work back through it. Like, do you kind of feel like that has been the journey of like, there was kind of this like frantic, like I just have to dump everything upside down. And now I'm in a place where I can start to pick the pieces up and reevaluate and put them back in the bucket. Mm. I think that that definitely might be the truth of what happened, but it was definitely not the intention. It was not conscious. And there was a sense of immaturity I think I had where I believed that you could outthink, outtrain, outfeel shit. The shit of the world that what I was trying to do was like, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop eating all of these things that I'm going to train this much. And I'm going to, and that's going to now be my new life. And, it, you know, one of the things that has changed for me, I think that I should have probably mentioned before was in 2000, I began to learn more about white supremacy. I began to learn more about oppression and social justice work. And it sent shivers down my spine and it made everything, it made, it made everything me. And that was when I began to understand like, what is the role of capitalism? What is the role of patriarchy? What is the role of racism in how I have been feeling? Yeah. And that was the missing piece, you know? And that's the part which, going to yoga and training or even going to therapy can't help you with. Mm-hmm. So there's been an active process of education and unlearning that I've, I've been on, you know, in 2020, yeah, to, to 2020, I essentially got off a boat and I got onto this island called Gili Chawangan. And this is March 15th. And I was there to assist on a yoga retreat. And uh, the next day the boat shut and then the world shut and 90% of the people on this island left and 90% of the shops, the hotels shut down. And I had to make a decision. Are you going to leave too? You know, because we didn't have a hospital on this island and Mm -hmm. we didn't know anything about COVID at that point. And so if you got sick, like you would not even be able to go to a neighboring island because they shut down the boats. And I made the decision to stay there. And that decision has been, I think it was one of the most rewarding, but also most painful and difficult decisions because I spent almost a year in isolation on an island where there was barely anyone. And I was living in a really beautiful place on the beach, but it was just hours and hours and hours would go and you would not even see another person. You know, it would be like, we never wore masks throughout the whole of COVID because there was nobody around. And in the loneliness, And in the solitude of what that moment provided me, I began to open my mind and I began to read and learn and go to seminars. And the more I began to read, the more I began to reflect and feel in my heart and my body, how how all of these forces of oppression have shaped my life in Dubai and my existence. And it began to radicalize me. I feel like I became a radical, you know, (laughs) there in in, in that silence. 
Yeah. And then com combining that with my therapy, combining mm -hmm. that with my work, combining that with my life purpose has given me juice, you know, has given me yeah. motivation and has given me that sense of it's not you. The problem is not you. You know, this is not something you can fix. And I think in 2018, I was still conditioned by this capitalistic way of looking at healing, which is yeah. we heal so we can go and you know, make more money or we heal and it's something you can buy. And everyone has a fair shot at life. Mm -hmm. And spending time with the discomfort of social injustice, spending time with that and making space to be really, really comfortable with how uncomfortable it is. You know, coming to, to that understanding of realizing like what patriarchy has done to women for millennia is really painful. And it's mm -hmm. something that I feel like I've lived my whole life trying to avoid, you know, and the kind of like spice girl feminism, you know, that I grew up with was this belief that it's girl power and everything, you know, you just try hard enough, you'll be, you'll be okay, yeah. you know? But then when you start reading feminist theory and feminist texts, it's like, oh, it's always oh, got nothing to do with me putting a smile on and trying as hard as I can, yeah. you know, and, and even understanding classes and status, you know, understanding like, why, why do some doors open for me and not? And, and thinking through when we talk about wealth and building wealth, this was like a core desire. Why isn't, why is it that you could read Toby, Tony Robbins's book on, on whatever getting wealthy, you know, this was my, my daily consumption, you know, when I was in corporate, it was, I was listening to Harvard Business Review on my way into work, two podcasts, you know, then I get to work, work really, really hard, you know, and push all the ideas. And then you, you know, shove more self-help, more self-development into your brain as much as you can. And I felt like I was growing and growing and growing. But these years of silence and solitude and studies has been so important to slow down the narrative. And maybe the most important thing in all of this has been, I really stepped away from society. Mm -hmm. I stopped publishing anything on social media. I withdrew from my whole life, all my friends, my family, my coworkers, my entire network of people. They were just gone. And there was loneliness like I had never experienced it because I grew up with a lot of people always in my life. And it's, it's something I love. There was no more performing. The performance was over. I didn't have to perform for my family, for my organization. And then in those moments of silence and solitude, I was able to calm my mind down and I was able to just open, open up, you know, and understand on a physiological level, you know, I can recall spending hours, literally hours, just staring at the clouds for days on end. Mm -hmm. I can remember just how much I had to calm my mind down to be able to see the tiny sand crabs running around, you know, and, and they're very skittish and they're always camouflaging themselves. But when you can bring your mind and your consciousness down to that level, mm -hmm. it's, a completely different visceral feeling than going to a meditation class or having yeah. a meditation app. Mm -hmm. And that's what was the huge shift for me is that I was no longer looking for a textbook or a leader who was going to tell me how I needed to feel. You know, it was happening. It was happening. It was just natural. And I think everyone will have access to that. But 
When you're in the grind and the churn of capitalism that keeps you busy, keeps you going, and keeps you believing that there's an answer outside of you, you know, and if only you could have access to that, you'd be okay, we cut that connection off. And I feel like that was, that was what was happening for me. I'm curious how, I mean, your, your isolation within the early, the beginning of the pandemic was so, so legitimately severely isolated and in such positive and potentially like, I don't know, detrimental ways. I'm curious to see like how this is going to play out, especially in like US society, just cause that's where I'm at and what I'm familiar with. But like how many people have been faced with what you were just describing that just absolute pure isolation and not having a job and being stuck alone inside your house and having to actually evaluate those things and having the space to actually not think. I was lucky enough to grow up in Montana and I remember I still miss going and sitting in the woods and there's a different kind of quiet that happens when you're alone in nature that like you said you can't get from any kind of meditation app like and to just sit and feel the breeze on your face in a way that you've never felt it before is how powerful that is to, I don't want to make light of what our globe is planet is going through, but to have that opportunity to stop at such a profound level. And I, I'm curious in the timing for you that that happened, that you got, that you made the choice to stay on that Island. Uh, do you feel like that decision maybe sped up or hindered kind of this journey you've been on to untangle yourself from the corporate world and like reconnect with yourself do you think that helped or hurt or both I believe in divine timing I really do I believe that the the things happen in your life for a reason and I think being in Gilly was one of them one of the things I think is very important to mention is that while I was working in Dubai, I was saving a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I made a decision not to buy a car, you know, for example, when I was in Dubai, or just, I, I lived very frugally when I was in Dubai. And they, part of me wonders whether it was I was keeping money away so I could just buy myself this opportunity. Mm-hmm. So finally, when I left, there was, there was money in the bank. And that provided so much of peace and stability for me. So I can take a break, so I can jump off the wheel, so I can enjoy the silence. But when you don't have the money and you have people to support and children to take care of, no matter how how much you want the stillness and the silence, it's really hard, if not impossible, you know, Mm -hmm. to take it. So just to go back to your point that I think my experience of being on that island was a bit different from people around the world who just found themselves all of a sudden without a job in in an apartment, Mm -hmm. you know, because the financial needs, the material needs are so pressing. And this is how capitalism works. This is the problem with capitalism. So that's something that I, I think is really important to underline. And I, you know, in the last four years of traveling, have consciously made attempts to keep my, my finances as low as possible you know, which means saying no to a lot of really cool opportunities. Mm. And it means staying in countries where you can keep your costs low. And it means staying for longer periods of time, not just doing the sporadic, you know, what I started off doing a different country every week. And all of this is with the idea and the intention that 
to live in this material world, we need money. Yep. We need it. And so we have to find ways to secure our needs, our base needs first, before we can start to think about contribution or spiritual enlightenment. So for me, that has been, that's been, I think, my saving grace. Mm -hmm. And after that, I would say, I definitely think being on that island alone sped up so much because you know what it is, Casey, is like, even though I felt that I was such an individual, and even though I felt as if I was such an independent thinker, I was so deeply, deeply integrated into this network of society and my family and my culture and, you know, capitalism. And I was, it was so hard for me to extricate where did that end and where did Eva begin? Mm. And even while I was traveling, you know, I found myself kind of immersed in another world of spirituality and so-called conscious people. And that's another level of a whole bunch of different values and a whole bunch of different performance. Mm -hmm. And when I finally had that time to be away from everybody, and honestly, we didn't have too many people on the island and people who were on the island, like the only thing you could do at nighttime was drink and I wasn't drinking. So I didn't really want to be with those people. I began to feel that that space finally, like that relief from social conditioning and social expectations. And that to me has sped up so much of what I was trying to do, which was reconnect to, you know, five-year-old Eva, or, you know, that, that sense of where does joy come from? Where does the excitement come from? And where am I, how do I reconnect to that voice? And the hardest thing for me in emerging from that world, you know, 2021, the hardest thing has been to find that balance mm-hmm. because I can tell you that having lived on this castaway life, you know, for a year almost, that's not how I want to live my life. That's not my future. I want to be with people. I want to be in community. I want to be with society. I love being with people. But how do I maintain myself? How do I maintain my, my beliefs, my values, mm-hmm. and still open? be selectively open, as Audre Lorde says, you know, having a commitment to being selectively open to life is hard. It's hard. It's, it's critical thinking, it's embodiment work, it's silence, solitude as well. But there's such joy to be had to be with people. I love it. I, I think you kind of mentioned this before, but I think this kind of comes back to uh, there's, there's no end point to this healing and this learning that like, as you go through the stages over the last four years and learn and see the influence that capitalism, the patriarchy and culture has had on your life and you start to untangle that. And then this year of isolation to really untangle it and completely disconnect yourself and be like, nope, that's not it. But now when you come back, it's like, there's the next step. This, this, you know, I talk about it often. Like we, we talk about life. We talk about money, we talk about health, we talk about politics, like there's an end game. Like as soon as I hit X, I don't have to try anymore. And I think one thing your story highlights for me that I think is just such an important point is this, it, it doesn't end. So now you have a whole new set of information and outlook to now make new decisions about what's next and where am I going physically and financially you know 
how do how do I put myself back into this world but not lose the things that I found that I, I want to keep a hold of? I think that's such a key lesson. Absolutely. And for me, the the the, the greatest challenge is how do you run a business? How do you make money yeah. in a way which still makes money, but it doesn't, you know, press on pay points, it isn't sleazy, it isn't exploited. Like that's really challenging. And when we talk about, you know, gaining visibility and, you know, showing up in the world and marketing yourself, how do you do that in a way which doesn't fall into these old tropes? Mm-hmm. You know, I think about how, like one of the easiest ways, for example, in influencer marketing, you know, if you were to look onto Instagram is to showcase how many different places you've been to, right? Mm-hmm. And the one thing I have done in the last four years has been go to just the most incredible places, taking the most incredible pictures and videos and just have these incredible experiences. And I sometimes feel this desire that comes up within me when I'm thinking about, when I see people posting stuff, and I feel like, oh, I should also perform too. I don't want to, and I made an active choice not to, but it's like, you get blindsided almost, or like the, the undercurrents of capitalism is so nefarious that yeah. it shows up in these random moments, you know, where people are, people are part of that system, you know, and, and they're unconsciously, consciously playing along. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, oh, if I, if I did X, Y, and Z, I might be able to get more um, coverage or followings or whatever it is, or even how I position my, my services. Uh, and even how I serve my clients too, you know, like yeah. there is so much of what I do that, like, I think when we talk about storytelling, it really requires time mm-hmm. and it requires, you know, and so I feel like you could sell a very different package, you know, and it could be like, Hey, you know, sign up to work with me and we'll get blah, blah, blah out of the way. But mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't want it to be inauthentic. And I want it to yeah. be like a healing process for my client. So I want you to work with me for six months. Mm-hmm. And even when I take on clients, you know, I, I really want it to be in such a way that like I'm giving them my best, you know, and we speak. And at the end of it, I give you a really juicy report. And like, you know, sometimes when I go into these business circles, you know, they'll tell me like, oh, you shouldn't do that for free or you should be charging more. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, I want to do this because this is a matter of integrity. But yeah. then, you know, if you get into that long, long-term conversation of, well, how much are you going to make every year? How much are you, how are you, you going to, if you do this, 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 you can never do that. That's the challenge. It's like, yeah. how do you function as a professional with a sense of integrity when the world is set up in such a way that it doesn't recognize and reward always integrity? It does, yeah. it rewards fastness. It rewards sleaze. It <laughs> rewards all of these things that I, I don't want to replicate. And at the same time, like I said, we live in a material world and we have to be aware of how we, we can operate within it. And that's the right. challenge. I think that sums it up so well. Like you said, you, you have to have money. Like you were, had had the foresight, you had money set aside when kind of this all changed, but like you have to have money. The bills have to be paid. The, the base needs to need to be there. And so when you're creating that business identity, you have said some things that I'm going to have to go spend some time journaling on now because they're things I didn't realize I was working through. You and I run in some of the same business circle and we're very fortunate. 
to have friends who are so open and aware of these things of how do we balance needing to make money to survive, but also being authentic and how do we untangle, how do we untangle all of that? And there's just, there's no easy answer, but I, I, I feel like you are on a path of doing it so beautifully. And I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing kind of how you have gotten here because it has been been quite the adventure along the way. So I appreciate you so much for coming on today. Any final thoughts or uh, where we can find you on the internet? So I have a final thought. One of them is my friends from Holistic Resistance, Aaron in particular, he talks about something called, he always says you have two bank accounts. You know, one is your financial bank account and the second is your spiritual bank account. And I think that Aaron, Aaron Johnson is so, so on point with that, which is the spiritual bank account is so key. And for me, when I'm able to sit in an environment, you know, and see tiny little bugs, with their little legs crawling up you, or look at the birds, or I, I was yesterday, I saw the squirrel and he was so um, obnoxiously getting at the, 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 the thread that had tied the bird feeder, you know, and he was just going <laughs> at it. And I spent like five minutes just looking at this obnoxious character and laughing. These are moments where I realized that maybe the money is not coming uh, so quickly into my financial bank account, but the spiritual bank account is open and is receiving and is receiving and is receiving, yeah. you know, from that squirrel, from the clouds, from being able to see these things that when my mind was so caught up in capitalism, I never had access to that. Having access to your heart and your body and your soul is actually ultimately the most important thing. And navigating the two is the privilege that we get. You know, that's the shift that I'm making is I'm going away from feeling like, oh my God, this is how do I be in this capitalistic world? Because I was living a very sage-like life. And when I came back into the world, all I saw around me were problems. You know, all I yeah. saw around me was just, I was very uh, obnoxious and pretentious. And I'd see my friends who were, you know, working hard to live on, make honest livings. And I'd just be like, that's what's wrong with corporate. That's what's wrong with patriarchy. That's, and, 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 and I don't want to be part of it. But now the shift for me is how do we continue to move between mm-hmm. and draw from our spiritual bank account and fill it up too? Because that's free. Yeah as we continue to find ways to support ourselves first before we support our communities and the world around us. And that's, that's where I'm at today. So thank you so much for that. And yes, people can find me online. So xbeva, com is the name of my website. And I send out newsletters uh, every week and they are stories from my life and stories from my travel. And it's, an act of liberation, an act of courage to be publishing these. So uh, please do subscribe to the newsletter. Thank you so much. I think that is that emotional and financial bank account is such a just chef's kiss (laughs) of the conversation. So thank you for that. And yes, I will make sure your website uh, is linked up in the show notes so that that is easy for everybody to find. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pursuit of Evolution podcast. If you really love what you're hearing, be sure to screenshot this 
and head over to Instagram, give it a share, tag me at Casey.Jordan. I love hearing from each and every one of you, your insights and ahas from every episode. And by sharing over on Instagram, you also help me get in front of more eyeballs and get more listeners to the show so we can share these lessons with more and more people. So until next time, I'll catch you on the Instagram.